you learn starting out you just want to listen and think you, the less you say the better around these type of people for the simple fact that a lot of times they're going to give you a lot better feedback than you could have come up with on your own so it's real critical to get feedback from anybody but especially people that have been there done that mississippi is known for our music our food and hospitality but we're also state full of creativity innovation and entrepreneurs from innovate mississippi this is startup state Today, Gary is talking with Connor Ferguson of Whisper Systems. Whisper Systems designs and manufactures drones that make installing and configuring high-speed wireless connections easier than ever. Whisper has grown thanks in part to a Mississippi Seed Fund Award. I'm Gary Watts. Thank you for joining us for the latest Startup State podcast. Connor, we're glad you're here today. Tell us a little bit about, and how do you pronounce it, Whispar? Uh, Whisper? Whisper Systems. Whisper Systems. We make drones for the wireless internet service provider industry. What they do is they take a fiber and put it on a tower and then they wirelessly send a signal to a house and they have to have a receiver on that house to get signal from that tower. And our drones tell them where to do that. Where previously they had to just drive around in a bucket truck around the yard, looking in different places or climb on top of the roof with the ladder. So our drones consistently do this in under 10 minutes. So it changes it where it used to take anywhere from two to three hours. Now you can take it's actually going to take 10 minutes and that's all it's going to take. Well, so tell me about your background. How'd you even get in this industry? Well, my dad back in 87 started a computer store where he was building computers and selling them. When I got up, I was about six or seven. He started getting me to build the computers because he got into internet and he was the first person in North Mississippi to provide internet into Mississippi. So that's a pretty big deal. Well, so that was in Batesville? Was that Batesville, you, Mississippi. Your, so what was the name of that first company? He's, Complete Computers. And he still has it. They do a lot more to IT support, voice over IP, all kinds of stuff now. He told me when I was younger, he's like, what you need to do is find one area and stick with that one area because he's got his hands in so many different things. It makes it difficult to get really good at one thing. So that's kind of why I chose drones kind of in the electrical engineering industry as my, what I'm going to be good at. Well, so did you just start playing with drones as, as a child and, and it kind of grew, your love for that grew from there? I never flew a drone until I built my own. So <laughs> I didn't really have like a, a love for it in that regard. I had built a WISP myself through my dad's company. And I did everything from the ground up uh, as far as networking the network, then going and doing the installs, getting the sales. My thing about the whole industry was you can pretty much predict everything down to what it's going to take to get to that person's house, what it's going to everything. Then you can tell how long it's going to take to do the actual install. What you can't judge is the time it's going to take to complete the site survey. So I saw that as like the big cog in the system that's holding it back from being a scalable industry and what's holding it back from like all these smaller companies because it is a fragmented market consolidating. So I felt like if I could do that, then it's just going to do nothing but make the industry grow. Just take that factor out of it. And so that's kind of where I came up with the idea. So typically in the industry now or previous to now, but certainly some are still doing it. Basically, they're using headcount, labor, big trucks and spending a lot of hours to try and get that perfect connection between the tower and the receiver in the home. And so what you're doing is eliminating a lot of time and effort and cost. Right. And before, you know, you can't predict that. And that's kind of some of our customers said the same thing. They're like, that's the part you can't predict is 
how long the site survey is because you want to, you know, budget your year, you want to plan your day. Well, if you plan to do five installs that day and you're only getting two or three done because they take too long to do the site survey, it really hurts you. You could have had three that day. It's kind of like the old cable problem when you got an appointment at 12 and you're there at eight o'clock at night and they're still not there yet because they ran into something at the appointment before you. That's right. And me and my partner, uh, Austin Ratcliffe, we worked at an internship for this power company. You know, power companies have a fairly large footprint they have to manage and they have new customers all the time, people moving, blah, blah, blah. Well, we did notice that they were fairly efficient in the way they did things. And it's because of how they did things. I noticed that they have a survey engineer that goes out and surveys the property before they even do any of the work and install the actual power. So that's kind of where I was like, well, right now the site, the technician has to do all the surveying and install it. Well, at least if we can make it where this drone does all the surveying and all they do is install it, you just kind of make it efficient, just like a power company where this part's taken care of, this part's taken care of. You just go with the flow and schedule it out. So that's where I see the biggest help. But we did learn a lot from start till now as far as what all the WISP want. You know, uh, the drone's the only one piece of it, really, where the value of the product comes in is what you do with the data that you receive and how you can use it to not only help with the site survey, but maybe help with your customers and being knowledgeable of what's going on, as well as scouting out new areas. You want to save all that data because you want to go back and look at it and plan out your new attack for, say, putting a tower to service an area. So we try to add all these features into the cloud now where... They have tower mapping. They'll have uh, things where they can download all their logs to it. They take pictures. They'll store metadata where they can map it, things like that. The drone is just a vessel to sell the software in terms. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about WISP and, and kind of how that growth has been. And just kind of for our listeners, WISP stands for Wireless Internet Service Provider. Right. Correct. And so are you seeing a lot of new WISP companies kind of popping up now? So you have more opportunity to sell to? Yeah, so um, this, I didn't know about this when we first started this. I knew that this is a, a problem that I wanted to solve and I felt like this is a good idea. But as soon this past year, uh, the FCC has created a Connect America Fund, which is just for getting internet into rural area. And they had it equally balanced for fiber companies, satellite, whoever wireless wanted to get in it and they gave out like 1.5 billion over 10 years now they're coming back this coming up year with the 24 billion dollar deal grant and only wisp can get this because they're the only ones realistically getting out into these areas. To the rural areas. Right. Because it makes no sense for the infrastructure to, to, to lay fiber all the way to all these in. Yeah, because think of a place like Mississippi where you have 2.97 million people in the state and this is an entire state. Well, there's cities that have millions of people. Imagine, you know, that's a good place to put fiber. They're all in the same city. You try to run it all across Mississippi, you spend way too much money. You can't really afford two provide everybody internet. So the really the only realistic way is with fiber or satellite in some situation. But you still the problem with satellite you don't get your bandwidth that you do with fiber. And fiber and wireless are side by side. Now of course fiber is always better. A hard line is definitely going to be better than a wireless signal, but you still get high speed broadband internet. How how do you how do you think the five G deployment is going to affect what you're doing and have you got a plan for that? So luckily five G to get 5G, you've got to have a fixed wireless back end. So it works good for us because 
that's who we service, fixed wireless. And fixed wireless is, like I said, tower. It's just point-to-point antennas. This antenna receives signal from this antenna, and they transmit to each other. And the 5G, there's some WISP that are using 5G frequencies to provide internet. So they're really the kind of the, I guess, they call themselves like the cowboy, cowboys of the industry, of the ISP industry. And it's because they do. They take all this new technology and they're the ones practically putting it in place first. These 60, 80 gigahertz antennas. I know people that have licensed frequencies in 5G range that are using it. But what they're using it for is all going to be inside the city. And the kind of what they're figuring out is it's just really hard in rural areas to do use 5G for the simple fact. If it's raining, you the signal's cut out right. completely. Foggy. And then when you're in rural areas, usually there's a lot of trees. Uh, some places are flat and desert. I mean, that's perfect for wireless. But most of these WISPs, they have to have a line of sight for it to work. Absolutely. Correct? And the same thing with 5G, you have to have line of sight to connect to a 5G antenna. And also, and the difference is the waves, but Link, that's a whole nother story talking about the difference between 5G and the unlicensed frequencies that are predominantly used by WIS. But I have, I think that it's going to be good for us. I just don't know where we fit in just yet. I know as far as site surveying for fixed wireless, we take care of that. But I'm sure that we'll learn all kind of new things dealing with these cell phone companies and these larger companies well, doing I think 5G. It, I think it opens your market up tremendously. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it's going to be the future. I see you're in here representing your alma mater with Maroon Friday. Tell us a little bit how you got to Mississippi State and how they've impacted you. I've been a state fan my whole life. My granddad's actually got a building, the Boston State. Extension Center is named after my granddad. How about that? So it's kind of in our blood. It's a very strategic place to park for sporting events, right. the Boston. And, uh, and I, that, I like state as far as that goes. And then they have a really good engineering program. It definitely was eye-opening from going from junior college, going to state. It's a whole different ball game. I enjoyed it. I love state, and I still represent them. <clears throat> I got a degree in electrical engineering from state. The E-Center was a real big part in our company starting up. They gave us a lot of strategic advice. Eric Hill and Jeffrey Rupp over there at the E-Center, I mean, they do wonders with a lot of different people, not just us. And I don't even know if they get enough support as is because they they deserve all the recognition they can get. Yeah, Eric and Jeffrey are friends, and and, and I've been a part of some of that and, and seen how they have have. Uh, funded startups. Um, speaking about that, tell us about Innovate Mississippi and how they've impacted what you're trying to do. We first got invited to um, their Innovate Pitch competition early in our venture, and we placed second in that. Really, the biggest thing with that was the connections we made with uh, our, t- our attorney. We met him at this conference and different people all together, different investors, things like that. And they've also helped us with the $100,000 seed fund, which at the time was really critical because we had a motor recall on some drones we had out in the field. So we really needed that money. Also with the financial planning, they really helped me understanding at a a much higher level and also helped me organize things on not just financial planning for overall, but different areas of our business. And then there's also the Angel Network, they were our first investors, the Bulldog Angel Network, and they invested 450000 in us really to give us our start to um, getting to where we are now. So with Innovate and the Bulldog Angel Network, they're real critical in us 
thriving and getting to where we are now. Without them, I don't know that we would be where we are right now. Yeah, it, it, it just really takes a team of people and a collaboration of people to make something like this happen, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you learn starting out, you just want to listen and think. You, the less you say, the better around these type of people for the simple fact that a lot of times they're going to give you a lot better feedback than you could have come up with on your own. So it's real critical to get feedback from anybody, but especially people that have been there, done that. I understand you're working with Bruce Deere, who kind of is the entrepreneur in residence for Innovate Mississippi. Tell us a little bit about that relationship. Bruce Deere's with us full time now. We worked out a deal where he's in charge of sales and marketing and business development. He is real critical. He handles all the sales and marketing, all these little, also some high level business planning. He helps me with that, but he's, he's very smart. Obviously, I, I went through three or four different salespeople, tried to find some good marketing companies, people in general. New technology in the industry is real tough. They've never seen this or heard of this. So you come out with this technology, you've got to teach them how to use it, and you've got to be able to present it to a whole big audience because we are selling nationwide, not just statewide. And it's critical that we sell nationwide. So having someone like Bruce that has years experience, he's been he was previously a CEO at Skytel. He's held all kinds of positions, executive positions. So the fact that he was willing to come on and help us in this regard was really a big help with us. So you're generating revenue now. You've got customers. Or is your customers uh, in Mississippi only? Or are you are you reaching around the country? Well, actually, we have no customers in Mississippi. Oh, okay. <laughs> All our customers are outside of the state. So usually Texas, Indiana, Illinois, mostly that area right there. Those are the three heaviest states we go to right now. There is Wisp in Mississippi. I don't think they make as much as these other companies. So they like to wait around and see that every, all the bugs, everything's yeah. worked out before they make a purchase. What about competition? You got any competition doing anything similar? There was competition when we first got in the industry, but they're not around any longer. So we don't have any competition right now, but we accept it. I mean, we're not afraid of it because we do have a good technology. Kind of got a head start. Yeah. And even the people that had a head start above us and we've already put them out. And that was before we even started making revenue. They got scared and quit doing that stuff because a, a lot of people were going to try to take an off the shelf drone to carry a payload and do industrial jobs. And it's just not going to happen. You try to take a, a Phantom or even the Inspire and put a four or five pound antenna on there and fly in 20 mile an hour winds, that drone's going to crash. Because they're not built for that. They're not made for that. They're made to do videos and they're really good drones. I'm not knocking the drones at all. They have really good drones, really good software. They're just not made for this. So that's what we've kind of learned was making an industrial drone. You kind of figure out why a lot of companies aren't getting into it because there's a lot of factors that don't play into these industrial drones that don't play into these smaller drones. You build a small drone, it's really not as difficult. There's not a lot of uh, different factors like magnetic interference or even sensor placement isn't really a huge deal on these smaller drones. All of a sudden, you get a big drone that can carry a 10, 20 pound payload. It's more power going to it. You got more magnetic interference. You got to place your sensors just right. You got to look at all the vibrations, like every little detail on an industrial drone has to be fine-tuned or you won't have a stable craft. So you're in the business to sell them the drones and the software. And then do you train them to use them? Well, we haven't been training them. Luckily, the way we set it up is you buy the drone and then you've got to pay 200 a month for the software. But what the software allows them to do is it's in the cloud that, that and then they 
update their drone and it has all their tests, whatever. So the cloud allows, they, they have a dispatch that controls all their technicians going out in the field. Their dispatch will configure all their pre-autonomous tests in the cloud, put all the customers and towers into that. Then when their technician just updates, it will pull all the tests, all the towers, everything onto the drone. And then the technician just takes the drone and clicks go and it runs these tests. So it's kind of like autopilot on an airplane, same thing. Right. And you, the, the key for us was first, you want to indoctrinate people on how you're doing things, but you have to make it fit. And if it's too hard to use, they'll get frustrated and quit using it. So everything we do, we try to make it intuitive. And at least the person operating the drone in the field should have, it shouldn't be difficult for them. They should just click a button because they have a ton of other things to worry about. They shouldn't be worrying about if they need know how to properly operate this drone. There are certain things you got to tell them, make sure they're not flying too close to a house or you can't go too low to a roof because all the prop wash will cause the drone sensors to mess up. For the most part, we haven't had any issues as far as that goes. The biggest thing is they want to use it their way and that's fine, but we still got to work it all into the same system, try to get them to use some right. of these tests that are going to save time. Right. So basically you, you give them one, it works. And then as they grow, they add more units to their, to their inventory and then, or to their, I guess their fleet. Right. And they're trying to get where they'll have it. They want to give every technician one. Um, I think really our, our biggest thing holding us back now would be the, they are larger drones, so we need to make them more portable. But we've got a solution for that. We should be come out with in the next month as far as like a carrying case where they can store it easy and throw it in the truck if they want to, stuff like that. So, so fast forward five years, where do you see this company and yourself? I see us jumping into more of the cell phone industry in five years. I think that the Wisp industry is going to either do one or two things. It's just every, all these companies are going to grow and then consolidate. That's kind of what I feel like will happen. Just looking back at how AT&T, it used to be all these different Bell Souths. It, it initially, it eventually turns into that. And so I, I would think that we take care of that industry, but we need to jump into cell phone industries, different, all the wireless industries and take care of that where we're not just servicing one wireless industry with our drone. We serve all of them. So that's really where I kind of focus on right now. I do also think that we're going to transition into more of a software based company where our cloud and things that we do in the cloud, tower mapping, uh, propagation maps, all this other tech will be in the cloud where they can buy this cloud separately without buying the drone and still be of great value to them. So I, I want to transition into more of the software side because that's where I see a lot more utility than just using the drone. Yeah, I think because, I mean, like anything else, the drones become a commodity and it's just like who's got the cheapest option out there. It's the information, the data that you can give them that's really going to be valuable. And it's, you know, if we were selling millions of drones, we would could just worry about drones. It's really hard to find a consumer market drone that isn't already out there. So with these fragmented markets where you're selling maybe the maximum of 1,500, 2,000 drones a year, you want to have something that's reoccurring. So that's why very start, we made sure that they can't operate this drone without paying for this software. We give them a, a really, a really a $10,000 drone for less than 2000. I mean, it's a, it's a super deal on the drone, but we do that because we know that 
the software is really where the value is. And that's where we want them to make sure they know that. So what advice would you give like an up and coming entrepreneur uh, that are trying to get it, get, get something going, give, give, give them some advice. The first thing is the e-center at state or like innovate Mississippi. If you don't join in these opportunities, you're missing out because that that's really where it starts. You can have a great idea and you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have really the organization, like knowing all the different facets that comes to starting a business and you don't have the actual money means to make it happen, then really you're just an idea sitting there and somebody else that does have money will come in and do that and actually be successful with it. So the first thing I would say is you want to join the e-center and join Innovate Mississippi and go to every event that they offer because that's where you meet people. Then after that, never get too ahead of yourself. You want to listen. You want to work on building a team of advisors that you can rely on. And if you don't trust them, then don't have them in your, as an advisor. If you can trust them and you feel like, you know, they are established in what they do, then you want them to be a part and do what you can to make them want to be a part. Then after you have that, um, you need to have a good surrounding cast. You just not one person isn't going to get you very far. It just it just me building all the drones, doing all the software. We wouldn't be where we are. I had to find good programmers and good people to build hardware. Luckily, the hardware side, me and Austin kind of had that handled. But us finding good programmers and good people to do the software was difficult in the beginning. So really, I would say when you start your team, you find somebody that's good for software and I would give them or anything. You find your good pieces and do what you can to keep them around because that's what makes you one person's only one person. You need people smarter than you in different areas. Otherwise, what if I could do it myself, then why wouldn't I just do it myself? You want to have smarter people than you do in these jobs because that's their job now and you just manage your workflow. So those are really the biggest things, just the people that you put around you that makes a difference, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest uh, uh, hurdle for entrepreneurs is to, to get comfortable with hiring people that are smarter than they are in different areas. But I think that's the key to success. Absolutely. Well, Connor, thanks for being here on the podcast and we wish you the best of luck and look forward to see what happens in the future. Appreciate y'all for having us. Let's start something great from Innovate Mississippi. This has been Startup State. For more information on the Startup State podcast and entrepreneurial services offered by Innovate Mississippi, visit innovate.ms. Startup State is sponsored by Fuse.Cloud. Fuse.Cloud provides businesses of all sizes worry-free IT solutions. Visit Fuse.Cloud for more information. This podcast innovatively produced in Mississippi by MWB Studios.